Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. We are wrapping up our series today, Me and My Big Mouth. And we've been looking at some of the different things that Scripture has to say about the use of our words. And James, I mean, he had some words of warning for us. Uh, He said the tongue uh, can set the whole course of our life on fire in like all the wrong ways. And he tells us to be, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And then last week we talked about Paul. And Paul was telling us that, you know, the words that come out of our mouth, uh, the way that uh, we treat other people with our words, uh, what we say, what we type, what we post, what we like. Man, it's different than the culture because we're being transformed by Jesus. The Holy Spirit's doing a work on us from the inside out. And he says, don't let any of that stinky talk, don't let any of that smelly talk come out of your mouth. No unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Only what is good for building others up according to their needs so that they may benefit. And we're getting the idea of the power of our words. And then last week, we went to a little bit of those issues of the heart where Paul goes on to say, you know, part of the solution is what's on the inside comes out. And he says, get rid of, just cast off, put it to the side, take it out to the trash dump, take off all of that bitterness and anger and rage and brawling and all of that kind of stuff. Just put it to the side because this is what Paul and this is what James both knew. They knew what Jesus had to say about this. They know that Jesus had to say, you know, our words reflect what's on the inside. What's on the inside eventually comes to the outside. And Jesus said it like this. Uh, in, In Matthew 15, Jesus said, don't you understand yet? Jesus asked, anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. Now, for those of us that don't like potty humor, this is a little bit gross, right? But Jesus direct, whatever goes in comes out the other end. And he says, likewise, likewise, what's in your heart, who you are, your attitudes, your thoughts, who you really are on the inside, it eventually comes out through our words. In other words, you can't keep this hidden forever. And if you want to know what somebody's really all about, if you want to know what somebody's really like, if you want to know what's really going on on their inside, you just listen to their words. And in another passage, Jesus teaches it this way when he talks about what is on the inside comes out. He says this in Luke 6. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. You and I, we're identified by our fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from Bramble bushes, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And then he says, what you say flows out of what is in your heart. What you and I say, the words that come out, they flow out of what is on the inside. And James knew that, and Paul knew that, and they taught about that, and Scripture has so much to say about the power of our words. You can know a person's heart by the words that come out. Unwholesome talk, it's a heart issue. Grumbling, complaining, it's a heart issue. 
gossiping and slandering. It's a heart issue. Tearing other people down. It's a heart issue. Words spoken in anger or words spoken out of our own insecurity, those are heart issues. Belittling, disrespecting, bullying, marginalizing, harming or destroying, those are all matters of the heart. Enjoying tearing other people down with our words, those are heart issues. And here's what we see scattered throughout the teachings of Jesus and New Testament authors. All the bad stuff that comes out of our mouths, it doesn't line up with being a follower of Jesus. It doesn't draw other people into desiring a relationship with Jesus because they look at us and they say, well, you know, if that's what it's like, who would want to be a part of that? What we say, what we type, what we post, even what we like, all of those things reveal the heart. But it's just not all negative. The power of words can do so much good. We can use our words to build one another up, to encourage one another. We can use our words to show that we are for people and that God is for them and that the church is for them. We can relate to people and use our words in a way it shows that we understand and see them the way that God sees them. Someone who was created in his own image. Someone who he greatly loves. Man, words like that, they, they line up with a life of a follower of Jesus. Words like that, they reflect Jesus well. Words like that, they draw other people towards Jesus. And there's so much more that's scattered throughout Scripture about the power of our tongue, the power of our words. And so how how do we want to wrap up today? That was a great question for me. How do we want to wrap up today? I I thought we'd take a look at two more things, that some of the junk that can be reveal our hearts, some of the words that reveal what's going on the inside, some things that we want to adjust as we follow Jesus. And I want us to look at criticizing and complaining. And here's what we know. Criticizing and complaining reveal the heart. And if you're like me, you have to make an active choice in real time and sometimes even beforehand uh, that you're not going to go critical, that you're not going to complain. Am I the only person that has to make those kind of active choices, that has to fight against criticizing, complaining? I, I doubt that I'm the only person in the room that feels that way. So let me give you an example. We, we just got past Thanksgiving, and some of you know that less than three weeks ago, uh, my wife, Denise, uh, had a second foot surgery of the year. And we knew that Thanksgiving, you know, it, we weren't going to be able to pull much off. So our oldest daughter, Michaela, she said, you know what, how about I make Thanksgiving dinner, uh, but I want to use your kitchen. Is it okay if I sort of make it my own way? So I made an active choice before Thanksgiving Day that I was not going to criticize. I was only going to be grateful, thanking her many times over for all that she did. And it was really good food. She loves to cook and she's a great cook, thanking her all over for what she did. So what did I have to do? Whenever I saw like every single pot and pan that we own, right, like a mess, uh, I said nothing about that. 
Uh, whenever I, like, well, that, I could have said, you know, that's a lot of onions in the stuffing. I didn't say that. I could have said, that's a significant amount of horseradish in the mashed potatoes. I didn't say those kind of things, right? Because it was all good, even if it wasn't all my normal. And I could express an attitude of gratitude and not criticize or complain. But it had to be an act of choice on my part. And this criticizing thing, man, it is so much easier to see in other people than it is to see in ourselves, isn't it? It's hard to see, but we justify our criticism. And we can go pretty negative fast, right? Well, they complain about money. But I mean, like her nails are like always perfect. or They always have the latest cell phone. Oh, ouch. Their kids are getting into trouble there. You know, well, maybe if they tried parenting once in a while. And like, we can just go hypercritical on people. Well, they're complaining about a loveless marriage. Well, maybe if they didn't spend all their time golfing or doing whatever. And we justify our criticisms of other people and we don't see ourselves as being critical people. Because criticism can be so incredibly easy to do, but so hard to see in ourselves. Paul, in his uh, letter to the Galatians, he, he gave us these words of wisdom. He says, for the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbors as yourself. And we love that part. You've heard that multiple places in, in Scripture. The whole law, we love it. It can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we don't know what to do, we know that our choice is love. When the issue seems incredibly gray and we don't know what to say, we choose to love. But so often we get that part, we own that part, but we miss the warnings that are attached to it. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out! Beware of destroying one another. Watch out! If you're always biting and devouring, if you're always criticizing, watch out! You're going to destroy the relationships around you. But where? You're living a life that's going to lead to a life that you don't really want to live. What if some of you, what if some of us, our critical words are actually destroying the potential intimacy that you could have in your marriage? What if the critical words that you're speaking way too often are just pushing your kids to be distant and not want to be with you? What if the critical words that you're speaking are causing you to miss so many opportunities where you could talk about Jesus and have a key influence in leading other people to follow Jesus, but they hear your constant critical words. There's nothing that draws them in. It only pushes them away. Paul says, be careful, watch out, be aware of those hurting words that you're speaking, those critical words that you're speaking to the people around you. You're hurting them, and in turn, you're hurting yourself. Look at these words of wisdoms we find in the book of Proverbs. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. To remind you of anything, about 400, 800 years later, Paul writes those words, no unwholesome talk, don't tear people down, only those words that build one another up. And we get the power of words. 
for always tearing other people down, if we're making cutting remarks, nothing good comes from that. But those words that build up, those words of the wise, they can bring healing. They can bring restoration. They can take people in a, in a very positive direction. That's the power of words, either to harm or to heal. You and I have a choice every day, every moment of the day. Here's what I hope you understand. Your words, what you speak, has so much more power and influence than what you can ever begin to imagine. When you speak those words of criticism, they can pierce someone's soul and put them in a course, in a direction that God has no desire for them to be on. And on the other side, you have no idea how God can use a single word of encouragement, a single word of affirmation, a single word that builds up to give someone's life purpose and the, and the faith to go on in a, the right direction. Your words... My words have power. And some people make cutting remarks and nothing good comes from that. The wise people, they use words that bring healing. Now, some of you, some of you, you can remember. You can remember back to like your childhood. Words that were spoken to you or about you or over you. And some of those words were negative words, and man, they're haunting you years or decades later. But man, some of those words were positive, encouraging words that helped transform you, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus were used to form you in his own image, to build you up, to help you grow and mature into the man or woman that he desires you to be. Some of you know that uh, for the past two years, uh, Denise and I have partnered with Big Brothers Big Sisters, and we have a a little in our life, and he's eight years old. And just recently at our two-year anniversary, uh, we were meeting with our coordinator. And, and she was talking about how much transformation has happened in his life, how many things were going in a positive direction, uh, the positive feedback from his grandmother, the, the positive feedback from his teachers, the, the change that they see happening. And that's really almost a very little to do with who Denise and I are, but it's so much about the words that we're speaking over him. Somebody to believe in him, to encourage him, to believe the best in him. And if you're, by the way, looking for a way to invest your life, if you have any free time, Big Brothers Big Sisters in York has 50 kids on their waiting list right now. But see, it isn't just all encouraging, affirmation, fluffy words, right? And I want you to understand that, that there are words that are spoken that can be constructive. We might call them constructive criticism. It's the right kind of criticism. It's the kind of words that transform, that help a person go in the right direction. Uh, this past Thursday night, we were at our big brother's big sister banquet, and, and our guy, uh, at the moment we picked him up, uh, he was in a bad mood. It, it was evident. Uh, he was tired, and he was hungry. So we're at this hotel, walking into this beautiful banquet, and I just had to pull him to the side. And I'm like, it's clear you're in a bad mood. I get it. You're tired. You're hungry. You would rather be at McDonald's right now. You've made that clear maybe seven times already. Uh, you're incredibly hungry and you want to eat right now. You don't want to go over and through the next like hour or so until we get to eat. I get that. And all of those things are outside of your control. But what's inside your control is your attitude. And so right now, just own it. Just say, you know, Doug, 
I just want to be in the bad mood the rest of the night. Leave me alone. Or let's go and see if we can try to have some fun before we finally have some good food. So it's a pretty direct conversation, right? It's calling out what's going on in the moment, but it transformed what happened the rest of that night. You've had people pour into you. You've had people speak those kind of words into you. And it can be hard, but it is needed, and it's what you need to hear. Think about people that have been like that in your life. What does it look like for you? Here's one that I always think about. Go the whole way, whole way back to like 10th, 11th grade. Public speaking, you had to take that course. When it was all coming to an end, my teacher came to me and said, you know what, Doug? I see potential in you. I'd like you to take advanced speaking next year. Uh, when I went to seminary and in our first few weeks there, a professor came to Denise and I and he says, I see so much potential in you. I'd like to pour into you over the next three years. Whenever I signed up for an intensive doctoral program, do you know what happened during that time? Did I get constructive criticism? Oh my words, in all three of those places, it was the kind of stuff that I needed to hear to build me up. It wasn't all fluff and stuff. It wasn't all just like positive encouragement. It was words I needed to hear for some things that needed to change so that I could grow, so that I could mature, so I could grow into my God-given potential. Now, right now, some of you might be criticizing me because you're like, Doug, you said criticizing, complaining, and we've only talked about criticizing. Well, let's, let's go on, because here's what we know. Both criticizing and complaining reveal the heart. And like criticizing, complaining, so often we need to make an active choice beforehand and in the moment. Do, do you know what that looks like, to choose beforehand or in the moment not to complain? We have to do it every single day or you're all perfect people and are never prone to complain. Maybe that's what it's like for you. But for me, I have to make an active choice beforehand and in real time. Yesterday was like leaf day for my backyard, leaf cleanup, which meant picking up a ton of sticks. Now, I can be thankful and grateful that I have a backyard with a lot of trees or I can complain every time I need to pick up a bunch of sticks or I could do something about it. I could sell my house. I could have all the trees cut down, right? But if I just continue to complain about the amount of sticks that I have to pick up, all that does is reveal my heart. All that does is reveal who I am. Instead, I can rest in the gratitude of the beauty of God's creation and the trees in my backyard. And every day, you and I, we have a choice to complain or not to complain. Now, I'm going to give you another, another word of wisdom, another word from Proverbs, but I need to give you a little bit of warning beforehand, all right? This is not the time to say amen, uh, to yell, preach it, brother. Uh, this is not the time to elbow uh, the person sitting beside you. As a matter of fact, if you're married right now, just put your eyes on me, deep cleansing breath, just go into neutral. Proverbs, we have this word of wisdom. It says this. It is better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. And, and we get that because, man, if you live with somebody, if your spouse is complaining all the time, if you have kids or parents who are complaining all the time, you get the pain of that, man. Like, you're like, sign me up, desert by myself. You understand the truth of this. And if you right now, are you're dating someone, you are getting them at their best. And if they are already complaining 
Or if they are already criticizing, and it might not be about you, they just have like that negative nature towards the world around them, you want to memorize this. Because it would be better for you to be alone than it would be to join, to make a lifetime covenant, to be with someone who is always complaining. That's how important this is. That's how foundational this is. Because complaining reveals the heart and complaining causes great harm. And I don't know about you, where you, when you think about Scripture, think about the narrative of Scripture from beginning to end. Is there any group of people that comes to your mind that seem to be stuck in a complaining mode? Uh, for me, I automatically go to the Israelites because it seems like nobody knew how to complain like the Israelites knew how to complain. I mean, they complained when they were slaves, when they were captives in Egypt. I mean, they complained all the time, but even after God did the miraculous, after God broke through with the, with the plagues to give them freedom, after God destroyed Pharaoh's army, when God was leading them onto the way to freedom, to a new place, a promised land, they didn't stop their complaining. Here, here's some of the things that they said. And they, and they said to Moses, get on your whining voice, everybody. Why? Why did, did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. And so often we read stories like this and the Israelites in there complaining and the Israelites in their sin and the Israelites when they want to go their own way and not go God's way. We look at those stories and we say, well, that would never be me. I would never do that. But that's a lie, isn't it? Because we fall into the trap of complaining as well. Because, see, it's all too easy. It's all too easy to take the provision and the blessing of God for granted. And when we do that, we make room for complaining to abound. The way I like to say it, a lack of gratitude always leads to a bad attitude. Do you know what that looks like? Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, how many of you, give me a show of hands, write something. How many of you two weeks ago were looking forward to eating turkey? How many of you, come on, own it. If you were looking for it, you were looking forward to it. You were longing for it. You were thinking about it. You could almost smell it in your mind. By Saturday after Thanksgiving, how many of you are like, oh, please, no, no more turkey. I can't do anything. Was it right, right? We, all, we go from gratitude, from anticipation uh, to complaining. It happens all too easily. And the Israelites, they're, they're just like us. Take our eyes off God. Forget or forsake his provision and his blessing. And a lack of gratitude props the door wide open for complaining to take root. Let's go on just two chapters later. Do they stop complaining? There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve all of us to death. 
Don't miss this. What are they literally doing? They're literally sitting around complaining and longing for the days of slavery. Longing for the day where they were treated like property. Longing for the good old days of life in captivity. And it's all too easy to find ourselves sitting around and complaining about our spouse, about our job, about our church, about our friends, about our kids, about our parents. But the truth that we so often miss is what we're actually complaining about. The truth that we also often miss when we're sitting around complaining is who we're really complaining to. And if you never have connected these dots before, I mean, don't miss this. This is what Moses has to say about the Israelites, and it applies to us. He says, so Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints. Your complaints, which were against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Israel was complaining. And man, they were complaining about Moses and Aaron. They were complaining directly to Moses and Aaron. But it was really a matter of the heart. It was really a heart issue. They were really complaining about God and his provision. And how how would that change you? How, How does that change me? When I realize that my words of complaint about sticks in the backyard or whatever are really complaints against God and complaints to God. The problem's not your spotty Wi-Fi connection. The problem's not the weather. The problem's not the back-ordered products that you're still waiting for. The problem is that we've taken our eyes off of God and we've put our eyes on ourselves. Like the Israelites We've made it less and less about God and more and more about us. Complaining, criticizing, reveal the heart. 1,500 years later, about that, Paul says it like this, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Paul in prison Paul, not knowing if he's going to live or die, he connects the dots and he says, do everything without complaining because whenever we complain, all we do is we open ourselves up to the criticism of other people. About six years ago, I I took the staff to this great little book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And the author, in one section, he does this deep dive into this whole issue of complaining and and how that this pattern gets formed in us. And once it's formed in us, it's only natural for us to continue to complain. It's sort of a confirmation bias where we expect bad things and we get exactly what we expect. And some complaining leads to more complaining to more complaining. And that's the problem with the Israelites. And that is so often the problem with you and I. The Israelites were negative in their captivity. And they were negative in their freedom. It's an incredibly dangerous cycle that can be hard to break out of, but it's a cycle that needs 
to be broken. As I take uh, different couples through premarital counseling, we get to this thing that's like a family of origin map. And we talk about it, these are things that you had no control over, these are things you cannot change. And I often look at these things as blessings and curses, things you inherited from your family of origin. And there could be things like finances, like, man, this family, they they were modeled uh, and taught how to handle finances in a healthy way. And that's a blessing to their kids. And it's a blessing they can forsake, but it's a blessing to their kids. But sometimes we also find this in the family of origin. One parent, two parents, maybe an influential grandparent, constantly complaining and criticizing. Just negative people. And that is a generational curse. It's been handed down, but it's one that needs to be broken, and it's one that can be broken. Because complaining and criticizing that constant stuff, it reveals the heart. So how do you do that? What are some practical steps to take? I mean, pray about it, yes, but what are some practical steps? Well, what's the antithesis of being stuck in criticizing and complaining? Paul in Philippians 2, he, he goes when he says this, but I will rejoice even if they kill me. I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice. And I will share your joy. Paul in prison says, despite my circumstances, I'm making an active choice to rejoice. And you, regardless of your circumstances, you can make an active choice to rejoice. Take a look at the words of King David. David had a lot of stuff to complain about. And if you read some of the Psalms, David complained quite well. But he always circled back to praise. Psalm 103, and I encourage you to read the rest of this this week, but let all that I am, David says, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. And then David goes on, and he just is praising God for all that God has done, for all of who God is, and all that God wants to continue to do. And if you're stuck in that cycle of criticizing, complaining, and it's time to break that curse and break out, man, a great place to start is by putting your focus on God, an attitude of gratitude, praising him, regardless of your circumstances, rejoicing in who he is. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter, you can be, just have the snot annoyed out of you, still choosing to actively praise God day in, day out. So here's how I want to end. Here's my challenge to you. It's like a double dog dare. I haven't said that in decades, right? Whether you're in person or you're online on your connection card, it simply reads like this. Please pray for me as I embark on a complaining free and criticizing free week. Moment of clarity, that doesn't mean you're free to complain or criticize as much as you want for a week. But would you choose to break the curse? Would, would you choose, just, just experiment, even if you are not a Jesus follower, would you choose to just, for a week, focus on praising and rejoicing and just killing all complaining and criticizing and just observe what goes on around you and observe what the Holy Spirit begins to do 
in you. As you take away those things that reveal the negative parts of the heart of who we are, and you replace them with rejoicing and praising of God, and let the Holy Spirit do a transformative work on the inside, because you know that out of your heart flows the words of your mouth. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy, and we can openly confess that way too often we fall into the traps of complaining and criticizing, and it simply reveals our heart. So we just accept your forgiveness. We thank you for the grace and love and mercy that you pour out on us, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do a transforming work in us. That the stuff on the inside, that as we let go of all that anger, rage, and bitterness, and we replace it with joy and thanksgiving and praise and love, that you would be transforming us into the men and women that you desire us to be. I pray for each and every person that's going to embark on this journey this week. That's a lofty goal, a week free of any complaining, of any criticizing. Holy Spirit, may you empower and equip them to do just that. And as a result, may they begin to see the fruit of what you are doing in them and through them and around them. May our words honor you. What we type, what we post, what we like. May they honor you and may we live life knowing that what we do reveals our heart. And our heart belongs to you. We pray this all in Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.